We're live. Woo. All right, Jack, we're going to talk about an important topic today. Continuing Washington week. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> Typewriter noises. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, January 19th, 2022, presidential actions released from the briefing room. The memorandum on improving the cybersecurity of national security, Department of Defense, and intelligence community systems. So, number one, I would like to call out the massive irony that it's called the briefing room, and the title has like 157 letters in it. <laughs> this, I think brief is probably the last word I would use to describe this. But no, I think that this, uh, this will be good to talk about. Uh, and especially during Washington Week, in the earlier episode uh, of this week, we had talked about the impacts, the potential impacts of the president's statements to private industry on what they should be doing, uh, which was uh, TLDR, um, all those recommendations you've been taking for the last 30 years, I'd like you to get them done right now. Thank you. This is a similar sort of missive that was sent off to the IC, to the National Intelligence Community and the DOD, for how they should also adhere to a set of expectations. So I think it's a good thing to talk about during Washington Week. Okay. There's a lot to take in. <laughs> where, where should we start here? I think we, I think we start at the top, right? So um, I'm going to sacrifice the bod here. I'm going to have to sacrifice oh. the bod because I'm just going to say it once. We do have uh, an emergence of its eerie little head from the pit of despair of one of our terms that we're going to have to rename. I'm going to have to ask for your creativity. We're going to have to rename, and I'm just going to say this word once. There's a lot of focus at the start of this on the importance of implementing, and everyone has to, in section two, which is like the first section, actually, part A it says the very first thing you do is update existing agency plans to prioritize resources for the adoption and use of cloud technology, including the adoption of, here comes Forrester's 1920 Prohibition style whiskey, zero trust architecture. Cheers. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Justin, so we don't get stung by this. What can we use as an effective moniker to not have to use that horrible word again? Okay. So, in... Keeping with history mm. here, we have renamed other pit of despair terms to names of villains mm -hmm. that have existed in pop uh, culture. We've, we've used Voldemort. Yes, we have. So now we got to find a name for this one. And I feel like a villain from Batman would be most appropriate. And okay. perhaps I would recommend Harvey Dent, also known as Two-Face. <gasps> oh, <laughs> Yes. Yes, because you could be inclined to trust Harvey Dent, but you should really check to make sure you're getting which one. Ex exactly. Dude, exactly right. 100 points. <laughs> Damn straight. Excellent. All right. So so first off, first topic to talk about is this mandate in the presidential directive that they adopt Harvey Dent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They mean Harvey Dent, but they could also mean Two-Face. They could. 100%. Right. 100%. Depending on how you how you actually implement it. Okay, Harvey Dent is not an easy lift, and we and we've we've talked about this a lot in saying industry says it's Harvey Dent, but it's actually Two Face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Exactly right. And done correctly, done the Harvey Dent way. This it's a massive lift. So to say within uh, sixty days of this. By the way, uh, sixty days has now passed yes. from when this came out. How many of these fine institutions do you think have actually implemented? Harvey Dent, or do you think they've implemented Two-Face? I, I think that most of them have probably done nothing. I think, <laughs> oh, you know, one of, the things, one, <laughs> one of the things that's woven through uh, the presidential directive, as it has to be, because, you know, the, the government has to continue to function, 
uh, is this capacity for organizations to make exceptions, right? And I think that there's a lot of good people who work in public service who are going to take this as, as gospel. And they're going to say, no, I'm going to create a plan. Because I think the 60-day thing is mainly about you're going to create a plan, right? You're going to create a plan that gets me to Harvey Dent. And to your point, these are smart people who understand what kind of lift it is. So the first thing they're going to do in like day three, they're going to say, listen, love Harvey, but I'm going to need an exception because it is going to take me years to get to Harvey. But I'll give you a plan that says that I will figure out how to do this for you. Right. So they're going to create an exception, but they're just going to say Harvey Dent will get elected further on down the line. Right. <laughs> further on down the line. So I think that I think probably no one um, has become uh, dented at, at this point in time. But <laughs> But it's, it's likely that people have at least thought about it, right, in a way that may be a little bit more concrete. And my hope is that they will listen to our podcast and they will understand that when you really want to Harvey Dent something, you should really do the full lift and not simply go to a vendor who says, this is Harvey, trust me. And then say, listen, Mr. President, here's our plan. Our plan is to adopt Harvey. And when you open up the briefing book, it's actually got Two-Face in there flipping a coin. Right. And next thing you know, you're tied to an oil barrel in an empty warehouse and the place is on fire. And and that's not good. That's not, not what you expected. Yeah, no, that's no, not, not what good. the president expected from you. <laughs> okay, so there's number one. So there's like the first bit of this that I think is a little bit of a stretch. Uh, is an un, And then again, this speaks to some of the same things we talked about in the, the podcast around the private sector recommendations, which is there's an unrealistic sense of immediacy around some of this stuff. We'd be better off if the president were to issue something that said, in the next three years, you know, three years from now, you will have an audited report that shows where you have applied the appropriate level of privilege access limitations, et cetera, across these types of systems. So limit the scope, expand the time, but put real hard measures on it that people can be held to. I think that would have been a better idea, but that's not here. So that's sort of like my takeaway number one looking at this. Just running with that for a second, yeah. that would be in the spirit of basically how NIST 853 is implemented, right? Like that's the whole idea of a poem. Like the kind of expectation and understanding is that, you know, technology shifts, cyber landscape changes, risks are going to come up. There's going to be periods of non-implementation of desired controls mm -hmm. just because the world changes. They go on a poem, mm -hmm. right? So poem is plan of actions and milestones is federal term is basically a risk register. Right on. The things that... You intend to do, but it's basically all, all of the areas of non-conformance with NIST 853. So I, I would imagine shortcomings on this memorandum would look probably similar to what everybody knows, the plan of actions and milestones. Yeah, what a great point. I mean, you look at this and you look at the standards that they're referencing here, right? The, the ways that people have to come through this. And they're really talking more about the Harvey Dent uh, regulations from CNSS. I, I think what you just said is a really important thing that I had missed completely which is, let's say you're working hard, right? You've got a poem, you're driving towards 800-53, you've got work to do, and then this thing drops in your lap, right? Yeah. And the section chief pops down and says, hey, by the way, Harvey's in the office, and it's time to make sure you make a space for him, right? And now suddenly, that poem is going to get negatively impacted because it's limited bodies, limited time, because now the president has insisted that these become the new priorities. And I, want to talk, I don't want to talk too much about Harvey because we've spent a lot of time on it, but I think it is the first of many sort of unreasonable expectations here and also an unreasonable level of prioritization, right? Considering the way that most people get knocked around these days. Fact. Yeah. Truth. We'll just end on that. <laughs> that is truth. Let me ask you what you think about the second major part. So prior to the show, Justin and I were just having a conversation about uh, quantum cryptography. Yes, we were having that conversation, mainly 
sort of like, what does its application in the industry mean for cybersecurity? So if you look here, and you can tell that a lot of these directives are written with input from people who are really smart, but perhaps spend a lot of their day just thinking, right? So quantum cryptography and its impact on decrypting things, well, it'll come down the pipe, right? Existing crypto won't be good enough when, when quantum decryption becomes a thing. But that ain't like today, not in the mainstream. And it's not why most of the attacks we're seeing are successful. It's not the threat to our IoT infrastructure. Most of that is pretty basic sledgehammery kind of stuff, right, technically. Um, but if you look at the next two and a half pages of the presidential directive, it's all talking about creating effectively systems which they feel are quantum resistant. So, uh, Justin, what do you think as you're reading through this? Is that how you would spend pages like three through six in a presidential directive trying to improve cybersecurity in the national intelligence community and DOD infrastructure? Would you be talking about resistance to quantum cryptography today, you know, in 2022? No. <laughs> I, I Here's the thing. There's many situations where people are doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And let's just pretend for a second that quantum is perfect. Like right. that it, pretend. Yes, <laughs> it's right the gold standard. I wouldn't want perfect being the enemy of good enough. And good enough is going to mitigate a whole bunch of risks right now. If it were my memorandum, say put in a commercially reasonable, as far as like national security standards go, right. like what's been accepted within the industry today for, for this type of uh, industry. Focus on putting that in place with the plan to be ready for wide-scale quantum-resistant protocols, right? And it's kind of like like crawl, walk, yeah. run model. But even approaching it that way, you've created a program and a framework for wide-scale crypto, like across cri cryptography, across your organization. And by the way, like cryptography done right and done at scale is actually hard mm -hmm. in the sense like it requires a lot of thinking about, you know, rolling keys and, you know, the asymmetric nature of, you know, public private pairs, like how we think about them today. And just having a program to manage the hygiene of your crypto within mm -hmm. within any organization is um, is a challenge to go to quantum. I don't think anybody's ready for that. Like the industry, in my opinion, is not ready to embrace this at wide scale, right? Like you described a really good earlier is, you know, there's people starting to talk about it now. There's a lot of people thinking about it. I have yet to see it wide scale adoption. Yeah. And in fact, I would say in order to properly implement quantum resistant protocols as they exist today, fundamentally breaks any data governance model that we have come to embrace as like the best practice standard, right? Because it basically requires that you spread your data all over the parking lot, yep. right? You collateral damage of advancement in technology, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So that's um, if it if it were my my memorandum, that's what I would do. I'd say let's let's focus on good and create a plan for for something better. Let me let me give you a another example. I'd love to <laughs> love to get your feedback on this too. So um, as we're talking, I was just reading through more of the crypto stuff, but then I went more towards the bottom, right? So I'm probably halfway through the document now. And it takes you till halfway through, it says, you really should develop a process for getting an accurate inventory of the systems that actually comprise the national security infrastructure. So that's like, we've already talked about um, Harvey. We've already talked about quantum. And by the way, those things, first, let's find out what machines you have and what systems you have and what workloads you're managing. To me, knowing that it doesn't exist yet, that might've been number one. Yeah. Right. Wouldn't you want to know at the beginning of this process, first, let's understand the scope of our exposure before I start talking about ways to 
alleviate it. And it's also something that is practical with existing technology. Right. Yeah. When we talk about your appearance overall, let's just talk about taking showers, right? <laughs> right on. Right there's on. there's right fundamental on. things that we do to ensure hygiene, right? Yeah. In this case, like operational hygiene, things that should be, we should be doing all along here <laughs> that, that, that are hard enough as it is. Speaking for myself, getting up every morning, take a shower can sometimes be a challenge, right? <laughs> but we do it. Right. Tomorrow's another day. Just. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but this case here, but until you do that, like you can't think about doing the other, th the other things, right? Right. right. Well, it, it, I'd like that ordering because if I'm looking at the date in the second element of this and it says within 90 days, you'll identify and maintain an inventory. But if yeah. you remember at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how they were mandating that Harvey Dent be in the office in a plan for Harvey in 60 days. So first I want you to get your plan together for how you're going to do your authentication and your trust. Yeah. And then after you finish that, please make sure you get me an inventory of systems. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? So there's yeah. this, there's this like this, like this disconnect. Jack, we're planning a rocket launch. It's going in 60 days. Rocket launches. Like, okay. The next 90 days, we're going to make sure everything's on the rocket. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. And in 120 <laughs> days, we have to come up with a destination. Right. That'd be excellent. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and again, I think for the audience, I mean, part of the purpose for us to talk about this is that presidential directive, I remember PDD 63 many years ago, is an opportunity to raise awareness and expectations around cybersecurity. It's really nice for us as professionals and pro probably listeners as professionals in the space that someone at the level of the president's actually talking about cyber, which those words would not have come out of somebody's mouth 20, 30 years ago, right? Even though it was already a problem. So this is great. And I think what we're talking about is opportunities missed, right? Paradise lost, right? That there is an opportunity to make really basic recommendations. You know, President Kennedy said, we're going to go to the moon. That was nice. You know, maybe President Biden couldn't have said, and we're going to find out where all our systems are. So let's, let's run with that for a second. Sure. So credit to Biden right on. and his staff for thinking about this. In your opinion, what could have been done differently to create a more well-informed memorandum, something that was actually realistic and on this earth? For me, I mean, I don't mean to harp on it, but I would start off with, I would, I'd like to understand the scope of the problem, right? So that means yeah. not just inventory, but it involves a little retrospection, right? So because we're concerned about the increasing likelihood and lethality of cyber threat, a lot of this awareness being raised because of the events uh, currently going on in Europe, because the likelihood and lethality is likely going up, I am mandating that all of our national security infrastructure fully understand and document the nature of the current state of the infrastructure that provides the services that we need. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to create a really robust information and incident analysis program so we can understand what went wrong before. Right. Because there's none of that in here. I mean, it is. If you look at the end, there's taught, it's a little bit about instant response and, you know, NSA's involvement, what have you. But... For me, before you start talking about all these technical widgets that we're going to throw in there to solve, you know, um, marginal crypto problems and difficult to implement authentication problems and, and access and trust problems, I would first say, as the president, I recognize that this is a super big challenge. The first thing we have to do is understand how big the challenge is, where the planet is for that rocket ship. Second thing we're going to understand, right, is the way in which we intend to approach it right, by looking at what's gone wrong before, to create a list of the highest priority problems that'll have the most impact, as opposed to the most technically interesting and difficult to understand problems. You were to ask me the same question? Yeah. <laughs> Justin, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Yeah. If you were to be issuing a presidential directive, if you had been appointed the president's national cybersecurity advisor, 
What would you have recommended that he say to the public at this unique point in time? What he would say, I don't don't necessarily know the answer to that one. But come back to the question I want to answer. <laughs> so, oh, you're you're vibing politically now. Yeah, you're answering you the question you want to answer. That's yeah, nice. I'm just I'm just being a little bit more outright. Is I would I would take everything that Jack Danahy just said. But more importantly, in order to get to that point, I would make sure talking to the right people. And the reason I bring that up is seeing the councils that get convened to advise on some of these things. I've seen people with cybersecurity titles enter the room. I'm still waiting for a cybersecurity professional to show up. And the companies that these folks represent, they're good companies and these are great people, but they've never actually done any of this stuff. I would say they're more of an academic than they are like a true practitioner. And it makes sense, right? Because the people that are actually doing good work in a very hands-on way and helping to protect national infrastructure don't have time and they don't have availability to go be talking in the White House or wherever they're getting together. And those are the ones, all of the people that are closer to the keyboards, closer to the issues are the ones that have the information that I'm most interested in. I mean, think about it. Like if you're, if you're working on these issues right now and you're dealing with cryptography issues and you're having, you know, your keys broken and decoded or compromised, I want to talk to you. Mm. Like, what is it you're exactly you're seeing? And more importantly, like, what are your recommendations? Because me, I would put more weight on your recommendations than I would be the, the talking figurehead that's going to show up, you know? And what ends up happening is like, it turns into this game of telephone, yeah. right? A little bit is like at each, each time the message gets passed from the front lines, it's going to get diluted every step of the way. And that's like, we've been playing this game like forever. Like as kids, we're playing that game. Like the telephone is like, you see how many times you can pass it around, pass a message around to see like how it changes or how it gets modified. So by the time it goes all the way around the circle, we're like, was it the same thing I said when I first started, you know? And I, I kind of see something similar here is like in the game of telephone and in the game of kind of passing the message from the front lines, it's what the real issue is and how we fix things. This is proof. It's not getting to people that, that can actually influence change. That I, I, I just love that, right? I, I took down the note because I was thinking about, as you're saying it, if I think about the way that a president is typically advised, most of the people who will be providing information into that have done the job, right? The yeah. folk, the person who's the uh, secretary of the Navy, right? They are people who served. They understand yeah. the problem space. And so they offer an informed perspective, right? One would assume that the individuals who operate at the cabinet level surround themselves with people who know the discipline. Yeah. Unfortunately, in cybersecurity, I think people view this as, it's like a service function. You're like IT. I yeah. don't need a secretary of IT. And it ignores the fact that we have a Department of Transportation because that fuels the way that the economy drives around. We have Secretary of Defense because that's the way you defend the country from proximate physical threat. You've got uh, Secretary of Education, because that's the way that people learn things, right? Yeah. Secretary of Agriculture, because that's the way you grow things. I have a clue for everybody. Every single one of those secretariats, every one of the areas that they're in charge of, rely on the security of the infrastructure that supports it, which is IT. But there is no Secretary of Security, right? Yeah, and I would argue, even if there was, the pace of cyber requires that you have a full knowledge refresh every three to five years. Like, right on. Things change so fast, which means within three years or within five years, 
that your knowledge could be completely dated. Your knowledge is now antiquated of an infrastructure in a time that has passed. Mm -hmm. Any of those people who are advising president can't say that they have hands-on experience implementing wide-scale quantum cryptography methods. It just hasn't existed. Right. I mean, but what I want them to have is a throat to choke that's yeah. responsible yeah. for keeping those people near them, right? So I think there's a lot of good people who are more senior who understand how to federate knowledge that they don't have, right? Yeah. I don't know anything anymore, right? And so... Just tell us. <laughs> so, Holly, you're taking over. Exactly. <laughs> but I surround myself with brilliant people who actually know a lot of stuff. And I think that's the responsibility, that the person who's giving the advice to the president should be somebody like that who does exactly what you just described, right? And if somebody comes to them and says... Listen, uh, Mr. Fimlade, in your new role as the secretary of everything important in cybersecurity to the president, we think that quantum cryptography is the most important thing. And you, even if you weren't biased against, would say, well, why is that? And you would force them through the discipline. He said, you'd say, well, really, don't you think that all those Windows 95 systems that are currently running in, in the labs are a problem? Well, maybe they are, but that's not my bailiwick. Well, that's okay. You're just one voice. And then you'd go find that person to figure out what the update story was because you would demand the best from a team of experts, so you would give the best advice to the president. So I think yeah. you just hit the nail on the head, right? That the reason for this misprioritization of information yeah. is because the advice that the president is getting is not coming from a place that's done what you've described, which is staying up to date on what the real problems are by both a retrospective analysis of what exists and the new st stuff that's coming down the pipe. Really good. And I would also overlay that there could be additional motivations behind this. Yeah. Which we know nothing about. Yeah. So there, there's always that fact too. And if someone ever asked me to do that job. Not doing know? that. Yeah, hell, hell no. No, there's no <laughs> chance. You know, and the other thing about this, and it's a political statement, right? It's like when the president in the last announcement we talked about said, over the last year, we've come up with these recommendations. And they're the same recommendations you can look in your decks or my decks from 20 years ago. Right. There is this looking forward credit taking thing. And if I'm looking at this thing for the national security infrastructure, and most of it is about cryptography and Harvey Dent, that's because that's all prospective. I yeah. don't have to admit that all the stuff I said I was going to before never happened. Right. And so we'd have, I think there's a, there's a, there's a need for an honest reevaluation of where we really are before we start planning what we're going to do next. Yeah. Solid. There you go. I think that's about it for the analysis of this. If, if you want more information, you can really go read about it. The White, White House briefing room, again, perhaps the most misnamed room in the entire White House. <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh, for the for the Googlers out there. It's a uh, National Security Memorandum NSM-8, published January nineteenth, twenty twenty-two. If you need advice, quantum came and said, oh "Gosh, quantum cryptography." <laughs> you can reach us at, at newharvestsecurity.com. <laughs> we'll get you next time. 